You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Matt's mom. Yay! What is uh, your official title name, though? Diane Brissy. Diane Brissy. Okay, so tell me what do you do professionally? I have a counseling and wellness center in Berlin. So I'm a therapist. So you own the whole place? I do. So that's your... What What made you want to start your own... Um, would you just be in therapy for too long, like just kind of training a little bit and then like learning and getting really like just having the job of it, you just decided you wanted to own your own place? Yeah, I think that part of it, because I've been doing therapy forever, was kind of really wanting to do that wellness component of it. So where we could add in like yoga and meditation and massage and not do just counseling. So yeah, for a couple of years, I wanted to get to my own place. And What's the place called? Acadia Counseling and Wellness. Uh, where'd you come up with that name? Went to Acadia National Park two years ago on vacation, and it's like so gorgeous up there up in Maine. Have you been up there? Uh-uh. It's beautiful. And so we were sitting here, and we were talking about it, and Jared was like, how about Acadia? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Because it's just it's beautiful and serene, and it's gorgeous up there. I experienced something like that when I went to Hawaii. Mm, never just been. relaxing. Um, like, the most beautiful spots were not... I guess in the mountains, I guess it's a lot of driving. Surprisingly, you would think it's a small island. There wouldn't be that much. Uh, I know we got lost on the road for like two and a half hours. We actually circled the whole island. My grandma was driving, so she was was having a fun time with that. And uh, it's just, it's the real experience. Like you get everything from there. I mean, the water's so beautiful. It's just when you're transferring from a place where the water's green and that's all you've really grown up knowing. And then you go somewhere where the water's so crystal blue, it's like, Aquafina coming out of the sink. Yes. I'm pretty sure the tap water is not clean. <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, it's 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 just wonderful because you're looking at like, I mean, just so many beautiful things, and I think that's a lot. What you probably have to inspire owning a wellness center. Yeah. You have to try and make it as calm and serene as possible. Right. Because I mean, when someone comes in there, they're usually struggling with some type of affliction, whether it's a, you're dealing with addiction or whether you're dealing with um, some type of emotional stress, and it's. The smallest little uh, stone can really just set it off. Right. You should come see it. I will, I will have to definitely yes. come by and interview uh, Lauren. There you go. So when did you start deciding you wanted to be a counselor? Is that something you kind of wanted as being a kid? Yeah. Actually, when I was in high school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And it actually, it all started when I was on the bus one morning. And there was a girl that lived down the road from me. And she got on the bus, and she said something about feeling suicidal. And it's like something clicked in my head at that moment. And I was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to be a therapist. And then I just, I just knew. Followed it in was the school. Weird. Yeah. Have you heard of the Kevin Hines story? No. The guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived? No. He was on a, um, he was having like rough time. Like much like when you start getting suicidal, you just start having like, I don't feel like I can live anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was sitting on a bus. And he literally said in his documentary, like, if someone would have just said, hey, how you doing? Or just said hi to him or asked him said, have a nice day or something. Right. He's sitting there crying on the back of this bus and everyone's just ignoring him. And he's like, if someone would have just said something to me, asked if I was all right, or just even said hi, like, I wouldn't have gotten off that bus and then tried to jump off. And, you know, a lot of people make jokes about it because he was like halfway down. I considered it was a bad idea. I'm like, you got to think that you're falling probably you're falling for a fast. while. Yeah. But it's it's just the whole fact, like, the smallest little, like, things that you don't even imagine can really cheer up somebody's day. Mm-hmm. And I try and do that now when I go to the store. I didn't really uh, notice it as much as when I was a kid. I was kind of, like, trying to, you know, do my own thing and right. really had a disregard. But, you know, for being my age of, like, 21 and, you know, it's just... It's it's definitely like a struggle because a lot of the people like that are my age are they show themselves off in a type of way that right. is, you know, a little bit aggressive. You have the stereotypical like young adult, you know, yeah. p- kind of either pissed off at the world or really just like out to do his own thing, doesn't care about anybody else. Well, mm-hmm. I go to the store and I say, you know, have a wonderful day or something and always kind of I, I go really early in the morning. I don't sleep that much. So it's, it's you, you run into the older people. Right. And they're always like, you know, like I'll, they're always paying it for it. I had a woman in front of me uh, pay for, uh, I had two Diet Cokes. 
at Dollar Tree. She mm-hmm. paid two bucks. I was like, no, you don't have to do that. She was like, I want to. She goes, you look like Aww. a very sweet boy. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you need help with your groceries and stuff. Like, it wasn't because she did that. I right. would have offered anyway. But, you know, holding the door open for her and then also, like, you know, when she was leaving, too. It, it just really, like, it felt like it restored her faith and at least my generation for a small time. But. A little kindness goes a long way. Exactly. And I really wanted to get into um, therapy. A lot of, like, my friends, um, when they do my podcast, or mm-hmm. these people I've met, they've all said, like, that my podcast is, like, a therapy session. Yeah. And I always thought about getting a little hourglass for the table, but I was like, I don't want them to feel like they're being restricted Time's by up. the time. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, I went to, I've been to a therapist before, mm-hmm. and it's, when you're sitting there, they seem like they're, they're just there to get paid. They're there to give you the answer that you are really paying for. Mm. You know, at least the one I went to. And I had my one buddy um, who, who deals with a lot of stress. And I, I, I was talking to him. And I'll never release this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 30-minute thing. I only turned it on to, to, to kind of make him feel like he was being recorded mm-hmm. um, to see if I could get him to open up. I don't know if that sounds selfish to me, but I like to... Try and, you know, you get comfortable when we're podcasting because you're just talking. And, right. And uh, he was telling me how he feels like so overwhelmed and swelled up with so much. Like he feels like he's drowning in all of his problems and he can't stop the thoughts of like mm-hmm. just everything. He's got constant worry. I'm like, we all have that. Right. But you have to enjoy the beautiful aspects of life. I've learned like I feel like someone took really the the blinders off my eyes mm-hmm. um like I was wearing sunglasses and then they just lifted up because I felt like I was just kind of going on autopilot for the past couple of years just trying to get I fell in a routine didn't decide to change it right but I and think then, for you guys I think for <clears throat> your generation I think it's harder because I think you guys have so much more pressure on you well technology is which is crazy I mean you wake up in the morning what's the first thing you get on your phone yeah. is an alarm of some person that's missing or some storm that's coming or some right. outbreak Trump did something it's like it's so overwhelming and not being able to separate from that I think it's I think it's hard you know because trying to get somebody to put their cell phone down whether they're sitting and having dinner or I'll go to the restaurant and I'll see people there I guess, like on a date, they're a young couple, and they're both sitting there on their cell phones, not even like talking to each other. Not getting the communication. Yeah, it's just, have you, it's odd. I mean, we all fall victim to it, I think, too. Um, even like some of the older generation. My grandma knows how to use a tablet better than I do. I, I don't even <laughs> mess great. with it. She's always on Facebook, like poking me and stuff. I'm like, I don't even understand what poking is. But I mean, she gets it. But I mean. It's, it just comes down to, like, I try and shut my phone off when I go into the store. Because yeah. I don't like, first of all, it's they're getting so big now, I can't fit them in my pocket without having to wear a heavy jacket. The phone? Yeah. That's a big one. So, um, having my wallet, my keys, and then all this stuff, I'm like, I don't feel like holding it in the store. Right. I'm like, that's why I'm jealous of girls, because they have a purse. So, uh-huh. it's like, you get to keep all that in there. And it's like, I have to carry this brick of a phone. Oh, you're smart, and you leave it in the car, which exactly. is even better. Yeah. So, when you, when you leave it in your car, and then you go inside it's like you don't have the it feels like you're you're, you're not leashed yeah you're not tied down so like you hope nobody important is calling you or you don't have like a certain text or something but it's it's just so freeing when you're able to actually go in the store and like where's my phone where's my phone oh i don't have it on me okay i can't look at anything like instagram i spend probably 35 minutes on instagram in the morning do you really just not, not even looking at anything. Just there's just pictures. Right. I mean, that's all it is. You can look at it as pictures, but I'm like just scrolling through, like, and I end up just like going blank with my mind. It's kind of like a thing just to do in the background, like when you turn on the TV or something. Right. And it's like, whoa! It's like, why is my battery at fifty percent? And I just unplugged it. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why? It like it's like a trap. It's like video games for kids. Right. Right. But then your brain power automatically goes down 50% too, right with the battery. But then I'm jealous with the people that sit in the park and play chess. Because that's something (laughs) I have never understood, the physics of chess. But, like, have you ever sat down, like, and played, obviously, with your family, Uh a Monopoly game? That Even though that's based on, like, a a game of capitalism, it's like the whole idea is... You're, you're, you're bonding with your family. Family you're game talking like, like the best. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, I mean, depends on your family, I guess. I guess. But it, it, like, when I, I remember we had it a couple of times when I was over here hanging with Matt. It's uh-huh. like, we're all sitting around and I'm playing Uno. And then I was like, because my dad's name's Skip. So I'm like, right. 
remember I said, Skip, you skip. I was sure <laughs> if, that was, if that was him, if he was there. And it was like, it was just the, that good little like laughter. It's like when everyone used to sit down and eat a meal at the dinner table yeah. together and like talk, like, how was your day? Right. And it feels like now when that kind of situation happens, we seem a little bit quieter mm-hmm. because we're, we're like, kind of funneling our problems into the talk in a way it's not just conversation anymore it's like now there's three things that can't be brought up at a dinner table anymore there's political religion and then it like anything anymore so it's always problems if they get brought up immediately the mood goes down it feels like you're sitting with a wet like a wet towel personality person and it's like you know that feeling you get when you yeah. have a wet towel. But part of that's because people don't know how to communicate with each other. So they don't know how to argue and debate and, you know, you draw the line. Where it used to be, you could talk politics at the kitchen table. And nobody agreed, but you didn't You didn't, yeah, that's one thing you didn't you argue. You just you just had a conversation. Have you seen my grandfather at the dinner table? I have not. Okay, he argues. Does he? <laughs> a lot about political stuff. That's like the only thing that's he goes funny. to. Like, as soon as you sit down, he goes... So, you been on the news lately? I'm like, <laughs> nope. no. I'm like, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to disconnect in a way. Right. Because, you know, this guy's doing this back in my... I'm like, all right, well... Didn't know. I'm here to tell... I guess you're you're my history book, so give me all your one-sided information right. on why uh, this... So funny. The government screwed up now. But right. It's like, I remember being a kid and sitting at the dinner table and then, like, talking about school, which was, mm-hmm. like, the taboo subject I hope nobody was bringing up. Because uh, I was not the uh, pro- proficient kid back in the day. And, uh, That's when you go, it's good, it's good. But now I take college seriously. <laughs> so it's weird because I feel like I'm chasing my own knowledge in a way. Right. Like, you know Robert Liston? Who? Um, Robert Liston. He's a famous uh, surgeon during the Victorian era. And nope. I just learned this and I printed a whole document out on him. He was known as the fastest knife in the West End. Because Is that back- a good thing? Well, for that time period, it was because the whole point was they didn't have like a lot of that was this before. With, what was that? An, uh, anesthesia, 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 the stuff that knocks you out in yeah. surgeries. They didn't have this back then. Uh, so the whole point was you wanted it to be fast and over with. Right. And uh, he actually is the only surgeon that's ever performed a 300 percent mortality rate. Do you know what that means? A 300 percent mortality three rate people that a in good one thing? surgery. He killed three people. Is that good? On one person. It was not good. <laughs> That's not sounding good. He was amputating a, a woman's um, leg. Uh, when he chopped it off with a knife, he cut his assistant's fingers off. Oh, my god! And what happens is when you get something cut off back in this day, it got infected. Right. Because they didn't have any proper medicine to treat it. And then as he was moving so quick, he stabbed the, um, one of the spectators, um, one of the medical assistants, off to the side right. and ripped the guy's jacket. And the man was of older age and had a heart attack. Is that for real? That is for real. <laughs> wow. His name was Robert Liston. He actually I'll invented the, the Liston knife. It's that really thin knife that we use in surgeries today. Mm-hmm. And he also created the first splint. Did he? Yeah. He had this um, thing that was supposed to help uh, with fractured bones. Because, I mean, he's per- he per- I was looking this guy up today, and I literally printed articles out of him. I'm pretty sure I got him in my... Uh, what made you look him up? Book. Okay, so I, I listen to podcasts as well as my own, and they had this um, woman who is a medical art um, historian. Uh-huh. So she looks up, like, all the crazy stuff, like all the crazy surgeries, all the crazy medical things. Right. But I learned about H.H. Holmes. I learned about the Bjork and Hare uh, wow. murders. And the Bjork and Hare murders, those are the guys that were... Um, uh, they were selling cadavers, like they were basically digging up graves, uh-huh. and they were um selling them to uh, medical students and people to use as um, research subjects. And what happened was they actually ran out of bodies that they stashed to use. Mm. So they just started killing people. Right. And uh, one of the um, other scientists, or not scientists, surgeons that was actually there was his name was um, Robert Knox. And Robert Knox um, was using a cadaver in the same institution that, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, who did I was just talking about? Lister. Lister. Robert Lister. Uh-huh. Well, um, not the guy that made Listerine. But uh, the guy that uh, did the 300% mortality rate, he actually went to one of his meetings and saw that the woman that was on the table was killed, was murdered, and they never found her body. And this guy was showing these medical students a way, like, because they would practice on cadavers, much like we do today. And um, 
it was known as body snatching. There was this whole big thing back in that time period. It was called body snatching. Uh, they, they steal bodies and right. stuff, uh, hence the name. But it was it was interesting because he was the one that confronted him, uh-huh. and then he tackled the man to the ground, and then dragged the woman's um, dead body out of the place, like pulled uh-huh. it out, and decided to give her a proper burial. And a lot of people say like he was so bad because he was performing all these surgeries, but like that's what his job was in the day right. to do. Like he was actually the one that invented hygiene in hospitals. Basically, um, back in the day, hospitals were only meant for the poor. Right. Uh, because if you were rich, you stayed home and had the people come to your house. You got actually sick at the hospital and because of all the blood. They never washed anything. They didn't know about hygiene. Right. He was the only one that washed all his tools hmm. before and after his surgeries. But he used cold water. He didn't know the whole germ theory where you have to use hot water that kills it. But, like, I'm surprised he never got infected or killed off in some yeah, disease. Really. Because when he's cutting people's bodies up, he's putting his tools in his mouth. That's why he moves so fast. Oh, my God. So you're you're li- you're hearing all this, and I'm just reading all this today. This is all the right. information I found out today. But it was like you learned a lot today. I, I write down little facts once I print the article out, and I right. do I do a spinoff series of this podcast uh-huh. that focuses on a specific to- topic. So we'll talk about Robert Lister for that whole podcast, gotcha. forty minutes on just him, the facts, information about his life and right. stuff. But it's so fascinating to hear, like just history in general. Like it's what really got me into podcasting. Uh, I feel like talking to people where it's a form of therapy, mm-hmm. I prefer, I like talking to people my age and helping people out. Right. Like there's a lot of kids my age that are going through stuff. Yeah. And it, like you said, it was, it's, it's stressful age mm-hmm. and there's older people that deal with it too. Right. And especially when they're taking medications and stuff, because yeah. you know, it's hard to watch your body fail, like just growing up and getting old. And I'm pretty sure if you have any clients that you don't have to say their names, but just people that you probably experience with them just dealing with how their body's not working like it used to and the depression with that. Yeah, or people that have injuries and they can't get back to work or do the things that they used to do. And Yeah. Like young people my age? I have someone who's, she's 21. Yeah. And she's got all kinds of medical issues that would be depressing to anyone. And you work off the DSM criteria, right? All right. The whole, yeah, because I'm taking abnormal psychology right now, but I've taken multiple counseling classes. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually something I wanted to do. I was just looking for a place to um, intern at. Right. Uh, to get like a two years you have to do. And mm-hmm. then I still have to take like the drug pharmacy class and stuff. So if you know any right. places or people that are looking for someone to be a Robbie for a there you go. intern. There you go. But uh, it's I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with helping people with it. I'm, help, I'm really at like excited about helping everyone Mm -hmm. and then hearing everyone's story. Like I'm really trying to podcast with everyone because the, the words I've heard from my podcast, like my buddy, I used to call, um, I don't know if you know, his name's Brian, um, Brian Yunt, but, uh, red hair, wore an earring. I always called him gay back in school and it wasn't meant to be mean. Right. But a lot of people said I was being a jerk. Right. They're like, stop making fun of him. I'm like, he's, he hasn't came out. So it's like, I, but I knew it. I just felt deep down in my heart. And it was right. just the sense I got from him. And that's where I feel like I'm really good with podcasting because I have the ability to read the person I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And I find when they get interested in something and I see their like face light up in a right. spark, much like when you're seeing me rant off about this guy, <laughs> about I wasn't, I didn't know anything about him. I was not fascinated by him, but my friends, like I'm really into like 19th century and Victorian type, like just experimentation on people. And I'm like, okay, I typed it in on Google and then looked up the top 10 people that were famous back in that time period. I talked to transgender people that deal with um, gender dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and uh, just like the whole like concept of trying to change their gender. Right. And I'm just like, I I started researching, like, did you know this, one of the most famous surgeons was a girl that was displayed as a guy her whole life and career. Hmm. And she, the only reason was the military wouldn't accept girls back then. So they were all doing all this stuff. And right. it's like, I, I still have to print out articles on him, but it's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm getting interested. I'm going to read the crap out of it. And right. I want to get your experience on it. You're going to be so smart by the time you finish all this. I, I'm telling you, I've definitely boosted up my knowledge a little bit. It sounds I like, feel it. like a lot of times I'm impressed. Like, I'm like shooting off fun facts. Like, Hey, did you know this fun fact? And <laughs> my buddy's like, what are you doing? Like, it's two o'clock in the morning. Why are you sending me fun facts? I'm like, dude, you don't even know this was in our history. 
there was a team of Russian women known as the Night Witches that were killing the Nazis in crop-dusting airplanes that were not meant for war. <laughs> right. Like, that's ridiculous. And like, you're like, why isn't this in our history? Like, why isn't this in human history? Right. I wish someone would just throw the book down of human history in yeah. front of me and let me read the goods, the bads. You know, all, everyone talks about conspiracies and all the stuff that gets found out. Like, I want to know. It feels like... It's like a magic eight ball, and I keep asking you questions, and it keeps giving me a different answer. But it's I, enough about that. But <laughs> I want—I I, I do. I'm just—I am obsessed with the whole object of talking to someone. I believe if you're going to be a therapist mm -hmm. or be any type of person that analyzes someone's emotions and tries to give a reasonable answer to them, I believe there's no right answer that you can give anybody right. on what they should do with their life. Mm -hmm. Their life is their own. Right. Um, but I do believe that if you're asking for someone's opinion, you should be real with them. Mm -hmm. And when you're a lot of times dealing with a lot of therapy places around here, it seems like all they want, and this is inspired by the world, is the money aspect of right. it. A lot of therapists are just like, I'm not here really. I mean, I'm listening, but I'm just going to be like kind of right. half in on it. That's terrible. So do you pride yourself in being full Yes. Because I know from what I've known from you from my childhood, you've been like a mother and care provider always. It doesn't matter if they were your kid or not. Right. And you've always been like really nice too. I don't think I've ever seen you snap before. Are you sure? I waited till you left. Probably. <laughs> probably he was at our house two weeks. I remember one point uh That's because you all would come. You'd come on Friday and you'd leave like Sunday or Monday. No, nah, there was that one time yeah. in summer I was here for like two months. Were you really? You were like Robbie. Are you I ever going to go to this? <laughs> yeah, no, does your dad know you're okay? <laughs> I remember because my dad kept dropping off clothes and he kept dropping I remember he dropped off my toothbrush. <laughs> Matt's dad said something and then you guys had to teach me how the shower worked. That's so funny. And I stayed for like a week after that. Right. He was constantly dropping me off like twenty dollar bills so I can go to the store. <laughs> the movie places right down the street right right okay so yeah. having a kid uh-huh what is it like to see us all growing up now mm. i know you got to be scared but at the same time you have to be it's really cool though to see you guys all growing up now you know because it's kind of having watched you guys from when you were little little you know like elementary school and then getting through high school and and it's almost now i feel like you guys are kind of all coming into your own you know, so it's kind of cool. You notice the watch. change in us a little bit? Like with Matt, I, I noticed. Definitely. Like, he he Definitely. went from, I remember Miss um, Williams, when she uh, was Miss Williams, mm -hmm. introduced me to Matt on my first day at uh, Buckingham. I was, right. I was nervous, and she was like, I know you guys are going to bond together. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay. And then, like, he's wearing all black. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was crazy hair day, but you had gelled up his hair. He so it was all had. spiky, like Liberty Spikes, right. like somebody off Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yep. And uh, he was just like this kid that looked nothing like me. Looked like, I mean, we had completely two different personalities. Next thing I know, I find out he lives down the street from me. Right. And we're hanging out every single day, like not not being together like everything and it right. was like it was it was such a like bonding experience and it just to see him change now he's got short hair mm -hmm. you know and everyone's like he's always so silent i'm like matt's not silent like i've never known him that way he's just always been a talker to me i know really? I, I always i've always known him to just ran just babble right like some point like not more than me obviously right uh but just like we go out to dinner or something. My dad would be like, Matt, what do you want to eat? Like, we're at a restaurant. Uh -huh. Like, what do you want on the menu? If you, I'll order it for you if you right. don't want to do it. Right. And he would just kind of sit there and put his head down. And then, like, he goes, Robbie, can you ask Matt what he wants for dinner? <laughs> yeah, that's Matt. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that's Matt in public. But around <laughs> me, like, I, I've seen him. Like, we would be sitting on in front of the movie rental place. Uh, and we, he'd just be like, dude, you know, and like just right. going off. We're eating a bag right. of hot fries and airheads those sour strips and yeah just having a grand old time and then we'd see you guys walking through berlin and it's like it's gotta be so scary but so amazing to see that just happen that little like it's like a little small plant you plop like mm -hmm. you, you know and then it just grows into something yeah yeah i think you guys oh i mean most of you guys that all grew up together it just seems like you guys are finally starting to figure it out, kind of figuring out who you are, what you want, what's important, you know? What do you think I was going to be? 
<sighs> That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, I figured out what you were going to be. You just always seemed very, very polite. Really? You were. You were very polite. I tried. I, yes. I learned uh, a little bit of manners. So you were, you were just kind of, you were polite and you were always kind of funny and yeah. You were the one of the ones that would pull Matt, like when he would get quiet, he, he'd go and, but then I do remember the, your birthday when you guys stayed at that hotel in Ocean City. You remember that? It was like Christmas, New Year's Eve, and you guys were staying at a hotel in Ocean City. This had to be. Was that when we got into, I know one birthday I had, we got into like a huge argument, a huge fight, and it was like a bad one. I don't think so. I don't you, know if it was that I know you guys were on the beach, and I know he came back with a burn mark. Okay. On his arm. Do you want to know the story behind that? Because I, I, I heard his, him out. I heard his story what did he behind tell you? that. What did he Forget, tell you? You tell me yours. I'll tell you if it's in agreement. Okay. Because what he did was, he, I don't know why. Uh -huh. It was me. It was it was me. Him. I think there was someone else there. But he grabbed a lighter uh -huh. to see if you do it, and he held it like to the side, upside right. down, so right. it got the metal really hot. Yeah. Then he just stuck it to his arm. On yeah. His arm. He, but I never, I never told him to do that. I was like, oh my god. He said they dared me to do it, so I did it. No. <laughs> I was like, are you an Nobody idiot? Nobody <laughs> dared him to do that. I told him not Maybe to. Maybe he I dared want, himself to do it. Then. I didn't want to see him upset, like, cause you know you get a pain like that. That's on your head for the rest of the night. And I was like, dude, oh my god. I was like, that's it. Like that, Robbie. You're not going over there anymore. Really? <laughs> no. I'll say I would have. You know me. I would have never asked Matt to hurt himself. He's like, no, man. They dared me to do it, so I did it. Like, really, Matt? Really? That might have been an influence from a certain. Uh, Maybe. Person's name starts with an N. Could be. Yeah. That would not surprise me in the least. That's that's when I started kind of falling off with Matt a little bit. Because when mm -hmm. he started hanging out with like Nick and all them yeah. a little bit more, just because they were it just they weren't my. You know, I was also dealing with a lot too stress at family and right. stuff, and wasn't dealing with it properly. Just kind of funneling it into Xbox, mm -hmm. and then you know I got sensitive like when Matt wouldn't message me back or something because it felt like I was losing a like a brother in a way. And right, that's we were we slept in the same bed. Mm -hmm. you no, know, we weren't homo or anything, right. but it was like <laughs> we're little kids. No, I remember yeah. uh, my, the very first movie I ever saw in theaters was Monster House. At least that I remember with Matt is Monster <laughs> House, that little cartoon animated movie. Right, right, right. And I always remember because when we got back, we would act like, um, I hope he doesn't hear this. But <laughs> we got back and we would hide under the covers and be like, we look back because that's one of the things the kid screams <laughs> and the house like scares him and the kid's running inside. So right, we're like, we right. look back and then go under the covers and then... <laughs> I remember, do you remember we all went bowling one time up in Salisbury mm -hmm. and the whole trip, the moon like was like big and bright and me and Matt were in like the, the back part of the SUV, like laying down, uh -oh. just staring up at the um moon right. and like the whole way up, you guys are talking, this was on Halloween, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. And, uh. The moon would keep getting covered up, and we go, aww, and then we would hold it. We wouldn't stop. Right. And then when the moon came out, we'd start going, yeah, and we'd hold it. <laughs> and we did that. that the whole trip. And I remember uh, Matt's dad eventually said, all right, guys, enough. <laughs> after like 45 minutes, I was like, after five minutes, I probably would have told us to that shut up. That is but. funny. It, we we had a we had a fun time usually like just I could always get him to go out and want to go do something I mean I mostly was trying to make him laugh the whole time mm -hmm. which I tried to do a lot it was just cool because like I don't know like I mean my teeth aren't in the best condition and I know Matt's got like kind of teeth like mine a little bit right. so it's like I don't know if he was afraid to smile because I get like that too mm -hmm. but, like afraid to show your but but as soon as you saw Matt's like Matt's smile like mm -hmm. that it was like it was uh, the biggest heart like warming thing for me and it was like I couldn't be open with this with him now but right. like it was just cool like to see that and I know mm -hmm. like you when you guys probably try and inspire the same thing especially when you have a kid or something right, right. and it's I know it sounds like I had a crush on Matt but Did it was you? like no a man crush no I just like torturing him and having fun. <laughs> I remember He's the one time he, he got out of the shower, I was shooting him with a Nerf gun. Oh he God. really got mad at me. He was like, I think you need to go home. I was like, no. You need to leave. Because he like opened it up after like, because he was in there for 45 minutes. <laughs> I was sitting on the steps in this position for 45 That's minutes so with funny. a Nerf gun, like prone down. <laughs> Waiting. And I'm like, when is he getting out of there? And the whole time he's like singing because he knows we're outside, so uh -huh. he knows we could hear him. Uh -huh. 
And uh, he's, like, singing, like, in this high-pitched, like, Michael Jackson-type voice. <laughs> and he finally opens up the door. And the, as soon as the door even cracks, I was already ready. And I just fired. Right. And it hit him right in the eye. Uh. And I was one of those moments, like, when you're a kid, like, you just try and make up an excuse. Like, I didn't mean to do it. Like, <laughs> it slipped. You're just sitting there for 45 you minutes. You moved. <laughs> That's but great. It's funny because you get these types of stories and then see how like I've opened up and like we're smiling the whole time. It's like that's mm-hmm. the same thing you get when you're a therapist. Right. I feel like I've been ranting and going down nostalgia lane. There's probably people listening like when is he going to be like on to the questions? But I'm like, <laughs> it's the, it's, Sometimes nostalgia is better than the questions. It's What do you find to be the best medicine for pain? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. <laughs> Why not? I mean, laughter. I, I, right. I think just the whole aspect of it. Yeah. Now, tell me one of your, probably your favorite or most memorable experiences with a patient. You don't have to say their name or with anything, a but a certain patient that really stuck with you. I mean, wow. do they, they, do they all leave a mark on you in a way? Probably. You know, the, the, who I remember the most is when I first got out of school and I only have my bachelor's at this point in psychology and I was working at a residential treatment center and there's this boy and he was, I think he was 12 and he would, he was schizophrenic. So what would happen is he would get, he would get mad. And when he got mad, he would clench his fist, right? And he'd stand real stiff, but he would start calling you car parts. So, like, he got really mad at me one day, and he was like, you big fat hubcap, you steering wheel, and it was the funniest thing, because you're trying not to laugh, because he's He's obviously mad and upset. He's being being open. But but he would call you car parts, so it was, uh, he's probably the person that stands out in my brain the most, you know. Did you laugh? <laughs> Inside, yeah, but on the outside, I really didn't. You had to keep a straight face. Uh, yeah, you How hard laugh. was that for very you? Hard. Was very, like very hard. Was it like watching Steve Harvey do the family feud? <laughs> Probably, you know. I I like, actually like my last um week's assessment was on uh, schizophrenia, and I actually mm-hmm. decided to I came upon a research um looking up more stuff like factual stuff mm-hmm. and read about the Montreal experiments. Mm-hmm. I won't dive into I don't know if you know what that's about, uh-huh. but it was a way of like treating schizophrenia right. the people with mental disorders and they were torturing them in a way. Yeah. It's it's just weird to see how far medical it's um long and really how we far as came as as a, a society. In and many again. ways very good, but in so many ways like we still make the basic mistakes. We the have basic, a long way to go. Like the Geneva, the Geneva Convention, a whole rights for humans, like what's ethical and what's not ethical. And mm-hmm. then when you're a therapist and you have to deal with, first of all, you're dealing in a whole another side of human ethics. Right. You're, you have to be ethical by work standards. Mm-hmm. You can't create interpersonal relationships. Right. It's not smart for you to work with somebody that is in relation to you. Right. Uh, what other things could you give me i know you can't do you work you can't work with friends can you now well the it's not good to have that the license thing is you can't have a dual relationship so you can't be a therapist for anybody that you have any other type of relationship with so whether it's personal or or they're your dentist or your doctor or your neighbor so like if a person comes to you that's a friend or like if i came to you wanted you to be my therapist you couldn't do it i couldn't do it because but you can talk to me as a friend and you can give Mm -hmm. me advice and help me in that way yeah if you're willing or not right but right at the same time that's is do you find that right or wrong just because you know the person so well but i feel like if you know them better shouldn't you be their counselor or do you feel like you have one side of the decision sometimes it's frustrating especially i feel like when you live in in a small town like ours and you get to know the different therapists. You know who's good at what. And sometimes it's just like if there's a surgeon and he's the best, ba- the best brain surgeon and you have a brain tumor, wouldn't you want him operating on you? Oh, Even sure. if he was your uncle, your I neighbor. I the fastest knife in the West End. Well, not the one that kills everybody. But yes. So he's effective. So it's sort of like that. So sometimes there's certain people where it's like, you know, I know exactly what they need, but I can't see them. So I have to refer them someplace else. So sometimes it's frustrating, but I understand the concept behind it. You know, have you ever had someone that um, was kind of you were being their therapist for a little while and mm-hmm. you just make a recommendation to go to a different place, whether it was because of uh, like confliction or a certain religious thing? Not because of that. The only time is like if I've seen someone over a long period of time and I feel like they're just not making the progress that they should be making, sometimes I refer them 
to somebody else that I feel like has a different style of therapy or something that might be able to help. That's them. what defines you from a good therapist to someone who's a bad therapist, because a lot of people, like I say, that are just in it for the money. Right. Uh, they will just sit there. Just and, keep seeing them. Yeah. And just like, they're not getting any help. You can notice that there's no change. When right. you start as a therapist, the main thing you got to be concerned with is the wellness of your patient. Right. Your patient comes first. And I know that's easy to say, but it's really hard to do. Because you also have your own problems that you have to put past and see theirs first. Mm -hmm. You have to look at their... Really, it's easy for anybody to be a therapist. And it's also very hard to be a therapist. Now, I know you're looking at me like, what are you saying right now? What are you saying? The whole thing is, it's very easy for someone to claim the title of being a therapist. It's very easy to listen to someone's problems. Mm -hmm. But is it easy to see the second side of it, see the uh, the whole their perspective that that person needs to get over their problems. I think that's a natural talent. And also, it's it's natural, Ed, for sure. For some people. You have to be able to read some people. Yeah. And also, being able to establish a connection with someone. Obviously, no therapist is going to have a perfect connection with everyone. Right. There's always going to be, you know, we're not all meant to be get along right. with every single person. Right. But... To actually put past your own problems, give them a logical and a, a real answer. Give them your real honest opinion. Mm-hmm. It's it's really hard to do. Right. And especially if you're a therapist, you can walk around with that title, but you haven't earned it until you're able to set aside your conflicts, your own stuff, mm-hmm. listen to this person, actually put your time into helping this person. Right. But it's not so much, I don't think, giving them the answer as it is asking them the right question so they can figure out what the answer is for themselves. Because you can't really know what the answer well, is. Well, you can't them. you can't tell them what to do. You can't right. you you can give you them can the best them. option that you think is right. But like I tell people, I'm like if I'm giving you advice, mm-hmm. I am telling you what I think, mm-hmm. what I would do, mm-hmm. but don't, don't take it right. into my own thing. You're going to do it might not work for them. Just I would say it works for you. I just ran it for 35 minutes and then you can just take that and shove it out right. the window. I don't care. Right. You heard what I had to say. You asked for what I had to say. I gave you right. what I had to say, whether you like it or not, take it how you want it. But that's the same as there are some therapists who, if you come in with depress, depression, this is what they do. Or if you come in with anxiety, this is what they do. It's not really based on same you. Same doctors. Yeah, same they, thing. They have a cert- which they have doesn't a even make any sense. Protocol. Right. Yeah, you, you can't be a by-the-book therapist. Uh, you really can't. Therapist. You not can't for it to work. Just look at the DSM criteria. All right, I'm going to go off the checklist right. one by one. And you find that a lot. And I mean, in certain types of therapy, I guess you would have to do that like when you're dealing with a nutritional-based program. Mm-hmm. But I believe before you even have to do that, a lot of therapists should really take the first session or two to get a full analysis of the patient that they're mm-hmm. dealing with before they start making adjustments or changes. Start hearing where the emotional conflict is coming from. Right. Do you find that's what's, is that what's one of your, take me through like if I was going to be introducing myself to you and having you be my therapist, mm-hmm. um, introduce me to your steps that you would kind of go through in your head. Cause by now you have to have a checklist type of your own, right. you know, making, uh, to analyze a client. What, what would you do first? So usually I start with just asking them why they're there. So they kind of talk about whatever it is that brought them there. So, you know, is it anxiety? Is it relationship issues? So I start there. And then from there, I find out if this is the first time that they've experienced that or is this something that's been going on in their life. So, you know, is there a history that they're bringing with them or is it really just something new that's happened? Maybe somebody passed away and they're feeling depressed or they lost a job and they're feeling depressed, but they've never felt depressed before. Because that's very different than somebody that says, yeah, you know, I've been depressed my entire life. I've been in and out of therapy. I've been on medication. So kind of find out whether it's new or whether it's not new. And then I usually try to try to figure out, help them figure out where it is they're trying to get. Because if you don't know where you're trying to get to, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, you know, what is it? Where is it you're trying to go? What's What's your passion? What are you working for? You know, how if you woke up tomorrow and you felt better, what would be different in your life? You know? And then once they can kind of, because you have to have a map. You have to have a map of where you're going. If you don't have a map of where you're going, you're never going to get there. You know, and people come in, they're like, oh, I'm depressed. Okay, so, you know, what's important? Where are you trying to get on? I don't know. Well, then you're going to stay depressed. You know, yeah. you got to have, you got to have a goal where you're trying to get to. You also to get out of your comfortability zone, too. Mm-hmm. We all fall down into it. I did for a while, and then I noticed, like, yeah, there's going to be times I'm, I'm not going to want to do something. I'm not going to want to get up. But if I find myself getting up and moving around, right. I don't even think about it anymore. Right. And do you... Do you just deal with emotional problems or deal with like physical, obviously like physical problems are work 
workers' comp or something where someone gets hurt and they can't mm-hmm. work anymore. Sometimes. But do you deal with um, addiction? Mm-hmm. What kind of addictions do you deal with? Okay. Besides drugs? So usually it's drugs, food, gambling. That's what I actually wanted to go down to was um, the whole... Uh, it seems like the one a lot of the most easiest and uh, susceptible um, addictions... Is it, it, well, statistically, it's actually gambling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think it's alcohol addiction, but the whole thing of for gambling is it leads to alcohol addiction. And that was, a, I, I did a podcast and I looked up the facts. Cause right. a, a girl's like, what's gambling addiction? Mm-hmm. The one transgender I had on my podcast, um, his name is, uh, date. Uh, I'm not, I know I'm not forgetting his name. <laughs> It'll come to you. It's, I'm, I'm thinking about Robert listening. That's why. But, um, Dakota. Dakota. So Dakota um, works at a casino mm-hmm. and, you know, he listens to my podcast and it's, uh, it's, it's just crazy because like, he was like, can you do a fill in the blank with me on, uh, so-and-so gambling addiction? Like, well, I would like to know, I work at a casino. I would like to know mm-hmm. all the gamblers, anonymous, like all that stuff. It's the leading cause of addiction because based on, it leads to alcohol, mm-hmm. it leads to all these factors. And it's like, it's the whole thing of problem gambling. You're gambling away your problems, your needs. Like, oh, I don't have money, so I'm going to spend more money to try and earn more money back. And it's you it's that intermittent reinforcement. Because you think that the next time is going to be the time. The next time is going to be the time. Yeah. and Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we all fall susceptible to it. We win $10 on a scratch-off. We end up spending that $10 on more scratch-offs. Right. And then we're in the hole. Yeah. It's But the, you're going to go back and buy again because you won the $10, and you know you're going to win it again. Yeah, so yeah. eventually, maybe 10 years down the road, after all the scratch-offs, you get... So when you raise kids one day... That's how that's how you get them to do what you want. You use intermittent reinforcement. Every now and then when they do what you want, you give them a reward and they'll keep doing it more often, waiting for that next reward. I'm pretty sure you just buy them shit. <laughs> no, not you every just time. Just toys you can't do it every time. Candy. It works. You gotta do it intermittently. That's all you did to me when I was a kid. You used to be like because you deserved it. Robbie, you need to calm down. I'm like, why? And you're like, would you like some candy? And then I'd say no, I'd have a sugar crash. And that I'm would like, not have calmed you down. Do you remember the one time you found me on the couch mm-hmm. and my leg was like cut open because I fell skateboarding? No. I remember you guys came home one time and like I hit my head on that brick wall out there skateboarding right, by right. that guy's house with the low end Neutral. thing. Uh-huh. Hit the skateboard turned into it. I hit my head on the wall and then cut my whole knee open and then oh Matt just wrapped it in a paper towel and then I, I put a band-aid on top of it right. and we skated to the store and I, I got like, back and like fine. I needed to definitely change the band-aid but I just laid on your guys couch and like you guys come in from like going to a restaurant or something uh-huh. and left me and Matt there. Right. And you're like, Rob, are you okay? I'm like passed out with like blood loss. <laughs> like he'll be fine. But it's it's so cool because like when you're when you're a therapist and you're dealing like with someone that's going through something and you're able to help them. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm not saying watching them go through that is hard. Like it's not it's not fun to watch somebody go through pain. Yeah, but watching people get better. But watching someone fabulous. succeed and overcome that, right. I, I chalk it up to the same thing you get when you're a teacher. And I asked Miss Williams about this. Mm-hmm. I said when one of your students comes back to you, like someone like me, you're on my podcast now, right? And you see that change. You saw me from a little kid, not knowing what I was going to grow up to be. Was I going to make it? You know. Was I going to, what was I going to turn out into in life? And then right. you see that when this person finally figures out, this is what I decided I wanted to do with my life. Like mm-hmm. you helped me come to this conclusion. That's got to be like put the biggest smile on your face knowing that maybe it's like the best. it's going to work out. Yeah. Like when I'm sitting in a podcast, I ask like, I'll ask you, mm-hmm. what's your passion? Obviously helping people, right? right? With doing therapy. Do you wish to do that for the rest of your life? Absolutely. What's the ending goal? Well. Do it till you die? My my goal is once I have this wellness center for the next three years, I'm going to buy Acadia Place, which is like a retreat that people can come and spend weekends and all that whole thing. Okay. And then I'm going to do both, yes, until I die. That is a wonderful idea. And I got to tell you about a dream I had oh, about gosh. a week ago when Heidi McNeely was on my podcast. I don't okay. know if you know Heidi. Uh-uh. She does a Worcester... Uh, warriors thing the kids with opiate addiction oh okay and um i I had a dream the night before she came over and Mm -hmm. i swear to god 100 percent um i own this apartment complex type place (laughs) Uh and i had about 40 addicts or just people that were dealing with a heavy amount of emotional stress that needed like to be put in care with somebody else like was like very suicidal or something that were kind of instead of it's like an outpatient thing but not an outpatient thing i don't want any of that it's like a group home kind of thing well 
Well, no, no chains on the walls or anything. Right. But like, you know, you, you, you get a roommate. Right. You have certain halls. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, two counselors per hall. Mm-hmm. So there's four halls. And right. each one has ten people under it. I'll just do 40 people. Okay. So it's like a three-story complex place. Um, they're all tenants, but you have a roommate that's get like we to put it's you like in a sober house. Yes. Well, it's like a it's like a halfway. Yes, yeah, a halfway way. house. But it's like the whole aspect of it is I don't want you to feel restricted. You mm-hmm. have a car; you can go where you want. I also right. have I'm going to have a van or a giant shuttle bus downstairs mm-hmm. that's for this program. Right. So if we go out somewhere, we're going to have these group things that we events that we do. You have to kind of participate in. Right. And Heidi brought up the idea of having like a dinner, like dinners you have every single night, which I was going to do, but making them mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like you have to show up, or right. if you have, you know, all we put in your room. Is the necessities you need for survival. A fridge, a mm-hmm. stove, and then, you know, a TV and stuff. And after two weeks, we have these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I have about two per hall. So about 10. Um, might have 50 people in. So probably split split it that way. So we have two. Right. Evenly added up to 10 interns. But they're all going down. And they bond with you like a counselor. Uh, it's They're set to your needs and standards. Right. Like. If you're like a, 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 a funny guy and, you know, crack jokes all the time, we're not going to put you with someone that has major anger issues and get set off by the smallest things, even though that might be what you need. You right. Might, you might need to develop that relationship and then end up moving with that guy and then deciding a roommate relationship with him. But the first person we pair you up with is going to be, uh, you know, somebody of that's more in relation or close closeness to you. So the whole idea really the concept of to really wrap it up is like you're at this place that you're you feel comfortable and you're not restricted mm-hmm. you, you have to go get a job and after two weeks or so you have to right you know you, you have to show improvement basically in your life did you get a job did you clean yourself up is your place looking like you added some stuff because right. when you have just white walls and the basic bland mm-hmm. stuff the first thing you want to do is start treating yourself and with your first paycheck and start kind of spicing your place up you don't right. have to pay you know, it would probably be government funded at that point because they're going to pay for that, especially right. to help people get better and get uh, associated into society. Mm-hmm. But I was going to call it like Rocky Shores oh, like and, you know, just something like that. So if, in a couple of years, if you get that place from the wellness center mm-hmm. going down, that would be amazing because I would like to start well, at least work with you on that because I would be I was just going to be the tenant that was going to come around and like talk to everyone, be like, how you doing? You know, I own the place, but right. I want you to feel comfortable. Anything you think I should add, let me know. And then get like a, like a group thing, like a chalkboard down in the bottom where everyone can kind of meet and like have like a, like a lobby type area, mm-hmm. kind of hang out, watch TV and, you know, associate with each other and then be able to write down things that we should look to investing or maybe everybody throws $10 or 50 bucks a side and right. buy a pool table or something after, you know, if everyone did that, we could probably fund the place sure. for a good, good time. So it'd mm-hmm. be self-sustainable too. It's like, if you enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot of places like that up in Delaware that do that. And it's, 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 I just, I, I feel like, I think that's what I want to do. Cause I, I definitely thought for a good while that podcasting was it, but I feel like there's definitely times I get depressed about podcasting mostly like, <clears throat> It's got to be the same thing when you're dealing with therapy. When you're hearing someone's emotional problems, just mm-hmm. how hard and like how emotional someone can get, that it's got to be like a drain on you, especially after a long day. You ever just have a long day at the office? I used to. When I first started out, there would be days that, but I think it's at that point I was doing only people who were victims of sexual abuse. So it was the same thing all day, every day. And that you was feel like really draining. Putting like, yourself in their shoes a little bit. Yeah. And you come home and you're just like, I don't even have the energy to be nice to anybody around. Because I feel like I get like my stuff for like psychology on a uh, like weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You get uh, different like a new study or new disorder you right. have to kind of focus on. Right. Some of them are not as harsh to me mm-hmm. because I, I like ADHD, I have that. So it's like I don't think of it as a mental disorder, even though it's diagnosed as one. I mm-hmm. think of it more of as a mental handicap. There's good ways and bad ways you can take it. Right. But also with like schizophrenia, mm-hmm. I'm hearing about some dude that thinks his house is haunted by King Tut. And right. he's having these like visions and hallucinations and mm-hmm. his family's freaking out. He's throwing stuff in gla- like against glass, sliding glass doors and stuff. And right. it's just his whole concept on reality is twisted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you hear that and it throws you in a mood. Like when you come downstairs and like, they're like, what's wrong with you? It's like, 
I, I just can't talk to anybody right now. Like, mm. I just need to kind of have, right. have a day where I just kind of unwind and try and let my mind unload right. everything I just, like, took in. Especially here in the Kevin Hines story. Like, mm -hmm. it was so emotional, the documentary. Right. And our teacher does not help us out with this at all. He's, like, gives us a 40-minute video per disorder. Wow. And it's just the weirdest, crazy stuff. The only funny one was the one on Tourette's. I found that hilarious. You got to look this video up on YouTube. It's a bunch of British guys that have Tourette's. Okay. And I swear you'll laugh. I, I swear to you. It's so involuntary. If I was a therapist, I don't think I could handle them. <laughs> He's just like walking down the street. Jump! And just starts screaming and like right. curse words. And the neighbor's like, how you doing? And then there's literally in the video, he's like, fuck off. Like just We had in this the guy thing. this oh. past year. He, he would yell, I am Zeus. And he would yell, I am Zeus. And then he would yell, like, he would be like, you are a sinner. And then oh. it, he was, <laughs> you'd be having a conversation with him. And also, you know, he would tense up and he would scream out. And I would get along with that guy because I love uh, Nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Right? My yeah. buddy um, Hanley has Tourette's. Mm -hmm. And he has a card that says he has Tourette's. Because so, uh, really? he, gets, he gets arrested a lot. Uh, he doesn't mean to. conduct. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's walking down the street on the boardwalk, mm -hmm. and we had—I was actually with him when this happened, and a couple cops stopped him because he was saying curse words. Right. It's like I can't help it; I have Tourette's. And like, really, where's your ID or where's uh, some identification? <laughs> I that mean, you got it. an idea for that. That's great. You, well, he—you really should go get one. You don't have to, right. but you know, you should have something that lets people know. Like, I can't sit there and I vouch for I you because, like, now we have no cursing on the boardwalk. So he's like, I just can't even go to we the do. boardwalk anymore. They pro they they try and restrict people from cursing. Really, I know they have it in Virginia Beach because I was always like, like that's kind of cool. They have big signs. Yeah, now yeah. they have signs too. Do they? But they can't stop you. It's freedom of speech amendment. Wow. Yeah. It's okay. like once you tell me not to, I'm gonna. Then you're gonna do it. If you get the whole need. It's the whole idea of authority. That's me. that's just... the ten year old Robbie doing that. No authority. <laughs> I, I, it's the same thing when someone gives me a backhanded compliment in the house. You ever experience a backhanded compliment? Probably. It's something like. Oh, you did the dishes, but you didn't put them away? Mm -hmm. I will lick every single dish and shove it right back in the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. You're terrible. Well, I can't help it. It's like, I, if I do something like that, and That's like... That's supposed to go, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> just that whole thing. I just, I can't handle authority. I, I know when it comes to, like, the military, I would never be able to do it. It's just, letting people get under your skin. You have to learn to not let them get under your skin. I just feel like, skin. if you let... I don't know, I like being my own person. Like, I'm not going to try and right. change anybody if they don't... Will ask my advice or anything. I'm not going right. to try and put my views on somebody else, but I'm going to. But people are always going to have expectations that are different. Yeah. You know? So well, people are always going to expect you to do things that you don't necessarily do, and you have to negotiate that out. Well, that's hard dealing with therapy, too, because you got to. Everyone's a little bit different. So, like, once you get a certain. You can, once you so get. It in makes a, it fun because everybody's. Oh, different. so you think of everybody as a puzzle. Yeah. And you're trying to figure them out. Yeah. Or an equation. Exactly. Yeah, everybody's completely different. And you have to figure out the missing piece, and then you have to figure out what they need to be able to make it work. You know what my buddy called my podcast? What? That's actually been a symbol of my podcast. It's, it's a fortune cookie. Really? Because towards the end, we always get down to the mystery inside. Oh, I like that. Isn't that? That's like, like that. therapy. That's deep. Yeah. They always say I should be a therapist. I'm like, I'm really good at just, you know, seeing it from another view. I mm -hmm. feel like that's what you need sometimes. Like, you're looking at a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've been starting to do. And actually, if you're interested in going to operas or symphonies, let me know because I don't know where any are, but I would like to go <laughs> and experience that. Really? Because I was I'm in a music appreciation class uh -huh. right now. And I watched a video on a symphony and I didn't think it was something I'd like. Symphonies but watching cool. their faces yeah. and how hard they the emotion. Yeah, the yeah. emotion. It's that's really, really like inspiring. But this one guy, like he was like, What is your, my teacher was like, what is your view on the guy that played the trumpet? I was like he looked like he was going to pass out halfway to, through Beethoven's number fifth um, symphony, fourth movement. Like, he looked out. Like, he was, like, face getting red. Like, it's like when people play the violin or the cello, you know. They're like, oh, they get all animated. The first thing I'm thinking is, yeah. what happens if he slips and that thing that he's, str like, stringing with slices the person you know, in the neck? You thinking about that. It's just, I, just enjoying do you notice and embodying that, the music. Do you notice that during the orchestra, though, the people that play the instruments, they look a lot like their instruments? you never seen, like, <laughs> yeah, I've never you're that. walking. Is that like people looking like their dogs? Yes, it is exactly <laughs> like that. Like, it's the stereotypical, like, the, all the big cello guys, it's either, it's like the big giant, like, uh, not cellos, but the ones that are waist high. 
Uh-huh. But um, when they're sitting in the chairs, it's women. Mm-hmm. And then you see like an older guy that has feminine features. And he's playing the flute? No, he's oh. playing the same cello the same. type thing. Okay. And same thing with violin. They're all like skinny, like really like smart, like what we would call nerds. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a bunch of like nice girls beside them. And then like you go to the drums, they're like bigger guys, you know, playing these giant instruments. You and go to the Fiddler's Convention, you get all kinds of big burly lumberjack guys playing the fiddle. I just, it's weird just to see in like a symphony, this one video I was watching, they all literally look like they were perfect for that <laughs> instrument. Especially like, and I was like, where's my brother on the triangle? As like a joke, next thing you know, you hear some dude in the back, king, I'm like, there he is. And he went ham on this triangle. That's like, like people looking like their names later in life. What? You know how people end up looking like their name? Like you, you name somebody. Like when they named you Robbie, you, you could never get away with like a Kevin or a Josh. Or but you would never know unless my name like was. Your name. If, I, if I was born Kevin and always called Kevin, you would see me as a Kevin. You would look different. You would look like a Kevin. You think that's what changes our looks through I life? Do. What we Is our names? Yeah. So yes. <laughs> that's why I worked so, so like, hard before I named Matthew. Because I had all these names for him. You just do it in a name generator and then watch the face pop up. That's what he's going to look like. That's what I'm going for. It's going to just form into that one day. Why was it if you decide to change your name when you get older? You could. And then you'd confuse the world. Is that when your face like gets halfway? It doesn't know what it wants to be yet? Has like a deformity or something? That's exactly what happened. I really enjoy like when you're like just hearing your like recounts of just like I, I guess just therapy in a way. I, I just, I find it fascinating how someone can look at it. Like you, you love trying to solve the problem. Cause you think a lot of people in this world, like we really try and ignore the whole problem factor. Right. We try and shove our problems to the side. And then when they build up and uncontrollably either snap and be that guy yeah. that shoots everyone up in the grocery store, yeah. or you just constantly have these minor, I call them minor soul fractures. You're literally just going and like, there is just like you have cracks in the cement you're mm-hmm. constantly just like slowly releasing air out of them like mm-hmm. you know, under people in public having right. these little outbreaks where everyone's like why are you so angry right. how are you at level 10 already like you just walked in here right and i think the best thing to do is like you can't be like atlas and hold up the world you can't have all those problems on your back you got to learn to take things in strides you know when a problem comes up don't worry about the problem that's coming afterwards. Worry about the problem that's in front of you. Right. And the whole um, analogy I gave my buddy was like, when next time, because he was talking about being sw- like, we go back to the whole, he's in a, like a drowning of like emotions and he can't mm-hmm. see past his bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I told him like, just pay attention to the floor. Look at the floor. What's the floor made out of? Mm-hmm. Tap it. Do you feel it? Do you hit it? Can you feel the hardness in it? What's the floor made of? Is it spruce? Is it oak? I'm like, just think of minor details. Listen to the sound of the paper. Like, right. you know, that beautiful sound. Like, take the time to enjoy that, you know. Stop being with multiple screens at once, multitasking, going on ADHD outbreak that most of society's falling towards. It's right. like, you need to focus on yourself. You need to worry about your own things in a way. Okay. Yeah. It makes people think they, they stack things, so that's why... That's why they have outbursts. Yeah, you and, and you get caught up in the negative thought thing. So yeah. instead of being able to listen to the sound of the paper, you're worrying about getting a paper cut. You know? It's like you just you train your brain to always look for what's wrong instead of what's right. Do you find moms suffer from that a lot too? Some do. I mean, some I think are really good at kind of focusing on on the positive side of things. I always it's funny when I do when I work with parents, I tell them they have to do like a five to one ratio. Like you have to come up with five positive things before you're allowed to say a negative thing. Especially like with your kids. Because, you know, you tend to be like, why haven't you cleaned your room? Is your homework done? You tend to get so negative, And then that's that's what feeds all that overwhelming stuff. So, five to one ratio. Three to one, maybe. If you want to be generous, you can do a three to one. Yeah. But you got you to gotta make sure that you're being positive. Because if everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, how are you going to feel? Angry? Depressed? Yeah, well, if all you focus is on is the bad, you're just going to end up having a yeah. bad life. Right. What would you be your advice to someone out there listening that might be struggling through something? To pay attention to their vocabulary. I had a, a, a conversation tonight with somebody that I saw where she's like, you know, I came home and I have to go to the grocery store and then I have to feed the dog. And I'm like, why don't you just change the word? Instead of I have to, why not I get to? I get to go to the grocery store and decide what I'm going to eat for the week. I get to 
feed my dog and go spend some time with him. That definitely changes the whole outlook changes of the thing. everything. You have to pay attention to the words that you tell yourself, and it will change how you feel. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then just pay attention to what you tell yourself all the time. So the first small step for someone looking to better their life should just change their outlook on it and perspective towards it. Then make it a more positive one. Stop focusing on all the negative stuff. Yeah. And what the other thing people do is, you know, you can be you can be 21 years old, right? And you can have had something terrible that happened to you when you were 15, which comprised, I don't know, two days of your life. Well, they focus on that two days of their life as opposed to the other 20-some years that were fine. And they let those two days define who they are. I mean, you don't have to define it by those two days. Define it by the other 20 years. Yeah, it's hard if you have a good month or something. Like a good, like why do you have to chalk it up to a good month or a good two <laughs> right, months, right? Right, right, But it's like then there's that one bad day you have. And it, right. like, it seems to just throw everything that's been good in your past week or month or so just mm -hmm. down the drain but people do it the opposite way the same woman who i saw tonight we were having the conversation because she said that she had a good weekend because she didn't have an anxiety attack and i said so why in your mind is the the fact that you didn't have one an exception to the rule as opposed to the fact that maybe you're never going to have them again and the fact that you did was the exception to the rule so it's how you define yourself you know if you say i'm anxious then guess what you're going to be anxious so it's it's all all up there. Just switching it around. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and doing the podcast for it's me. It's fun. You like? Would you Anytime. be on it again? Anytime. Oh, we'll have to get yes. you and Lauren on at the same there you time. Go. Better, better be interesting. Call it the Brissy's podcast. You should get, get me, Matt Lauren, to... Matt, and Sarah all on at the Let's same time. Let's do it. Family go. matters. Family Feud with Steve Harvey or this go. time Robbie. Play Pirates of the Caribbean Life. Do the podcast. Well, thanks for yeah. being on the podcast, and anybody that's listening can take the emotional wisdom you parted on to me. There you go.